When two brothers took a self-proclaimed premonition to an extreme, a small town got rocked to the core trying to make sense of two innocent, unnecessary deaths. This episode contains family, religion, love, and even a cult. You're listening to an infuriating episode of Clapped by Fire. You're listening to Clapped by Fire. Hello, I'm Kai Maxwell, your host. Our co-host is Sean Eames and John Peterson, and you are listening to The Clapped. In today's episode, we do have an Instagram page. If you want to know more about the episode, want to see some pictures, uh, brief description, hop on to Instagram and check out our Instagram page. The handle is at Clap by Fire Podcast. How's it going, guys? What's up? Hey, man. How you doing? So I'm going to throw this out uh, the very beginning of this podcast. Our best episode is the Dr. Pepper episode. It has the most plays, the most views, the most comments. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Sean. He might be dethroning me and uh, taking uh, taking the crown here in a little bit. His uh, <laughs> his episodes of uh, the Big Four, the One Percenter Motorcycle game Gangs, is uh, four plays away from becoming the most viewed episode on our podcast. So if you want to support Sean, go and listen to that episode. And oh, yeah, uh, then I'll give him then I'll give him the crown. So <laughs> back to be dethroned. <laughs> so uh yeah, like I said, he's only four plays away from being the most played episode on the Clap by Fire podcast. So uh he's not quite there. I still have the crown, but uh, like I said, go help our homie out. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> if you're new to the podcast, make sure you hit that follow button. We're available on Spotify and Amazon. Uh, liking and following the show uh, definitely helps us, helps uh, expose us to bigger audience. And so if you could do that, we uh, thank, please and thank you. We appreciate it. For sure. So I'll take the talking stick first for uh, just general news. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, that's what we do. We kind of just go over uh, some some basic stuff that we're reading in in the news, and then we deep dive into uh, today's topic. So, first things first, we're a small town, or a small, not necessarily small town, but we are uh, a new podcast uh, located in Utah, and uh, so, yeah, I'm going to get right to it. So, uh, the Festival of Colors in Spanish Fork, uh, it's going to be coming up pretty soon. And uh, I don't really know too much about it. So, uh, sh- John, do you uh, you want to hop in and tell us what the Festival of Colors is? Uh, it's uh, Hare Krishna, I think. Um, it's at the temple over there that they have in the small town of Salem. What they do is just you go in, you pay for a little bit of chalk, dust, uh, whatever it is. And uh, it's just a celebration of their... I don't know if it's like their new year or just their spring celebration, but uh, you go in, get a bunch of chalk, and uh, when the countdown happens, everyone throws it at everybody up in the air, uh, just a color of um, dust just flying everywhere, and uh, it's a blast. So I actually went to it a couple years ago, and you know, I this might sound bad, but I uh, had no idea what it was about. I was just heard there's some chalk festival. So I showed up. There was a DJ playing a bunch of like loud music. And then, yeah, people just throwing chalk everywhere. I wore all black. And, uh, you know, you run around. People are throwing chalk on the temple. I guess afterwards they do like a big major cleaning of it. But it's it's pretty much just a big chalk party. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, you go just get completely covered in every single color you could possibly think of and Pretty much a great experience. So that's going to be coming up in uh, in Utah. I know a lot of people travel from pretty far to go to it. Like I said, I've been to it. It's pretty pretty fun. So sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Something else that I've read in the news. Um, I guess a couple months ago, there was a guy traveling on the freeway. He's going over a hundred miles an hour. He drove off the road and uh, blew through a stop sign, crashed through a fence, and killed two young children playing in their backyard. And uh, he's being sentenced to uh, for manslaughter. And he's going to jail for it. 
Holy cow. Pretty sad, unfortunate. Don't drink and drive. Don't be under the influence. Don't be going over 100 miles an hour on the freeway. <laughs> that just happened recently? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There was an incident just like that last year out here in uh, Saratoga Springs. A uh, guy was speeding on the back road, doing like 150, like lost track, of, lost control of his car, went over a fence, and two young kids were playing in their backyard there. Really sad, man. Yeah, super. Wait, wait. <clears throat> that's we might be talking about the same story. May twenty oh, second. Really? Does that sound right? Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's get, yeah. He officially, <laughs> officially just got sentenced. So. Oh. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. <clears throat> and then uh, something else that I've been reading up on. If you're familiar with Provo Canyon, they've been having a lot of avalanches, and. Uh, you know, people are advising to uh, don't go and go go hiking. Don't go play around. These avalanches are causing um, a lot of rock slides. They're causing a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, stuff's moving around. And so it's probably not the most safest place to be um, when all this rain and, you know, all this stuff's going on. So if, you, if you're if you a big outdoors person, probably stay away from uh, Provo Canyon for a little bit. And that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty much all I, I've really seen. There's also, I guess there was a shooting in Northern Orem, or not, not not Northern Orem, Northern Utah. Uh, police officer. I've watched the video for it. It doesn't really make any sense. So police officer. So this is Northern Utah. They walk up to the door, and the guy rolls down his his window like half an inch, and the police officer just says, "Hey, I'm coming up and talking to you because your vehicle doesn't have a registration on it." And the guy in the vehicle just says, uh, "Not ask, not answering questions, not talking to you." And uh, the police officer says, "Well, I need to identify you, and I'm I'm letting you know." And the guy just keeps on saying, "Don't answer, don't ask. Uh, I don't answer questions, and I don't talk to you." So the police officer says, "Like it's the law, you need to identify yourself. I've suspected you of a crime. You don't have your vehicle registered." And the guy just keeps on saying, don't answer questions. You know, you're breaking the law by even talking to me. And so uh, they decide to reach in and open the thing to pull the guy out, to question him. Dude pulls a gun and uh, freaking all these police officers just gun him down. Guy ended up dying in the hospital. Uh, It's kind of all over the news. Um, So this is my two cents. When I say my two cents, I see this doesn't necessarily mean it's correct or it's right or wrong. This is a podcast where we're very open-minded here. Um, So this is just my opinion, okay? Um, I think the guy's in the wrong. I think that, uh, you know, you have every right to record a police officer and – but if a police officer – you know what I mean? Just fucking comply, dude. Like – even if they are in the wrong, you have it all on camera. You can then take it to court. You then can now sue the police station for, you know, not following the law and being ethical. And uh, s- since you don't comply, obviously they're going to use force. And now this, you know, this this guy is no longer with us. So yeah. like, like it's sad, it's horrible. Just my two cents on it. I don't know. Have you guys, have you guys seen anything about that story in Northern Utah? Not the particular story, man, but yeah, I've seen like lots of things on TikTok and uh, other, you know, video ads and stuff like that where these uh, guys who are state nationalists, uh, you know, they don't really claim the law of the land, basically. Um, That's a whole other thing to get into. But yeah, they they do this every time they get pulled over by cops and, and sometimes they're in the right, but most of the time they're in the wrong, dude. I agree with you. So... Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. What do you think, John? Yeah, I've seen those videos on TikToks as, TikTok as well. I'm just thinking, you know, there's there's ways of doing it. There's actually laws that say he doesn't necessarily have to register his vehicle. Um, people will hold up their license and registration to the window, roll down the window a crack, make sure the doors are locked. I mean, there's different ways, but the fact that you actually go towards your gun, it's just saying... Yeah, the very whether the very they're reaching or not, you do not go for your gun. You do not do this. There's better ways of doing it. Just like you said, there's ways of uh, going ahead and um, getting a ticket, getting this, getting arrested, and then taking the evidence to um, sue the police or have some kind of investigation go on there. But 
just the fact that he went for his gun, I think that was dumb on his part, and it was unnecessary. Uh, Sean, are you talking about those guys that like walk in the police station and they're filming, and then then the police come up and be like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, I'm just pre- exercising my rights." Are you talking about like those type of people? No, no, no. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's a way that you can actually extradite yourself from uh, basic law. You know what I mean? The law of the land. Uh, there's it's like catch twenty two. Basically, you can say, "Hey, I'm no longer part of this American citizenry. I'm a national citizen." of america and like you don't have to pay taxes anymore but at the same time you also don't get the cops help when you need the cops or the fire department's help when you need the fire department you know what i mean like oh so there's people out there who actually go ahead and will withdraw from doing that sort of stuff and then they try to use it with the cops when they get pulled over and um yeah although they have certain rights to that sort of stuff uh you still gotta identify yourself man like it's yeah interesting well, that's pretty much yeah. all I have. Uh, if anybody else wants to take the talk, it's stick. Uh, yeah. So um, on Saturday, actually, former President Trump came out and said that he would be being arrested on Tuesday of this upcoming week. Apparently, uh, during 2016, uh, he had paid $130,000 to a adult film actress and uh, apparently had an affair with her. So tried to silence her about her claims with the affair with him, and and now he's uh, in trouble. So interesting. It's funny you can get away with that, but you know we all know about Hunter Biden and all that stuff, and they don't get in trouble at all. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't even. Well, I don't even. I don't even know anymore. I I'm I'm a big believer that uh, the information that we actually receive is watered down and censored, and people. Like, oh, yeah. There's just so much stuff. Like, in all honesty, like if you, in all honesty, if if you like knowledge and you like power, or not power, but like, I believe knowledge is power. I, I like learning new things. I honestly believe like strengthening your mind. I'm a I'm a big big believer in that. But there's just so many things that you read, and then like later, like like prime example. Like I'm not we're, we don't talk about politics on here. Uh, we we try to make this uh, politic free. You know, just reading stuff in the news. Um. But I'm just like, there's just, we've seen so many things where stuff happens and they deny it. And then later something's released and it's like, oh yeah, huh, you caught us, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> news in, gen- <laughs> in general. Um, it's like, I read it, but I, there's so, so many things that like, until I do a deep dive research on it, um, I'm, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Johnny? Or Sean, All right. anything else? No, that's it, buddy. Okay, I got one yeah. other thing actually to bring up. Did you guys hear about the Willow Project that uh, President Biden approved? Is that the one about the uh, the Native Americans? They're going to start drilling for uh, natural oils in Alaska, and there's so oh. many people freaking out that it's going to destroy the... Uh, you know, the natural wildlife up there, it's obviously going to cause so much pollution in the air. And so a lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people, you know, uh, promises were made that uh, if elected, that like, like where I'm not going into politics, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what's in the news, okay? That's all I'm doing. If you're getting <laughs> angry right now, you need to calm down because we're not, we're not talking about, we're just, I'm just telling you what's in the news. When uh, President Biden ran for president, he told people that uh, one of his main focuses would be like clean energy, cleaning up the environment, uh, creating, you know, uh, a better place for America. He, he he got voted in. He shut down the pipeline, uh, pissed a lot of people off. But, you know, clean energy, yada, yada, yada. And then he also just approved the Willow Project. And like I said, the Willow Project is um, going to start doing stuff in Alaska that a lot of people are really, really scared of. Like I said, Alaska is one of those places. It's massive, and there's so much wildlife and just just nature there that is is going to be a massive threat to uh, to the Willow Project. So that's <clears throat> what it is, John. I mean, Sean. <clears throat> Wonder why we don't just reopen the uh, good old Keystone that's already there. Yeah, I don't just, know. Just a thought. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> so i didn't look anything up this week i just wanted to talk about uh the last episode i wasn't there for the recording but i did listen to it 
and uh john did a damn good job i'm sitting there screaming uh while i'm listening to it just wondering what the hell's going on uh you you missed out man (laughs) it was a damn good job and i was just thinking to myself the whole time i'm like come up with some kind of fake uh sponsorship or something like that and i was like man i gotta do like something so what came to mind was uh um like you know the monster truck thing you know the sunday sunday you know that one yeah um, <laughs> i was just like man we got to get some kind of thing going um try to get some kind of tv deal about uh you know pedophile versus pedophile you know <laughs> like sunday 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 two pedophiles walk into a ring none come out one dies by killing the other the other one just gets shot <laughs> <laughs> they come in watch them all die it'd be great we'll sell you the whole seat but you're only gonna need the edge you know <laughs> yeah sean we i've gotten so much feedback about that episode truly like messing with people's brains dude awesome i've had so many people just like dude that that was like your crazy i was just and it's funny because i've also re-listened to it too and it's just kind of funny because all my reactions are just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? But then it's like everyone else that's giving me feedback has said the, they, they were saying the exact same thing. What the fuck? What the fuck? So, <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely a mind twist. Screw with you for a couple days after after listening to that one. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've heard that one before. I knew some of the details, but just the fact that Sean shed some light on a bunch of stuff and a bunch of different angles. I mean, it it really did it justice it was it <laughs> was a damn guys. good one man appreciate that hell yeah and uh me doing that random voice a second ago uh, i had to mute my microphone because it made me cough like super heart <laughs> hurt <laughs> uh, can't do that anymore <laughs> oh man john can't do it <laughs> all right all right do you want to go ahead and get started you got the floor, uh, sir. Take it away. Right. Serenade us away. So this one is about the Lafferty brothers back in 1984. Um, I'll say I'll just go ahead and get into it. Um, kind of start off with the patriarch of the family and kind of see where some of the violence and the mistrust came from. Let's see. And you said that this is a local story that happened in Spanish Fork, correct? Uh, American Fork is what Oh, American Fork. Okay. Um, the Lafferty, fam- Lafferty family patriarch, Watson Lafferty Sr., grew up without a mother. She died in 1918, influenza pandemic. He was only five years old. Um he didn't get a lot of nurturing. Um, is what is uh, Watson Jr. said. So this is also coming from a little uh, paper, um, the Salt Lake Tribune, as well, uh, when they did a lot of interviews with some of the family. Um, so Watson Lafferty Sr. Uh, served in the military in World War II, according to the reporter. Not on the front lines, but he was a barber. After the war, the GI Bill allowed him to train as a chiropractor. He started his own practice, which also offered barber and salon services. But Watson's senior real passion was living a devout life. His interpretations of the Mormon theology and traditional and was informed was traditional and informed by his far-right political views, but didn't believe in traditional medicine, and he expected both his wife, Claudine, and his children to obey his command. If they didn't, he beat them. Watson Sr.'s abuse of his wife affected his sons differently. Ron Lafferty recalled the episode uh, to the weekly a fury uh, further decades later saw him get mad and bloody my bloody her face bloody her nose used to go to my room and curse god for giving me the piece of shit for a father took my first my fist to god 
but I was just too little. Dan controversially insisted to the reporter that he was blessed to be raised by a very special and happy family. My parents truly loved and cared for each other. Another brother, Watson Jr., offered the weekly a more thoughtful perspective on the Watson Sr.'s violence, how it shaped the Lafferty sons. You grow up in a family where dad gives you a licking, the other siblings console one who got the licking, and then you compare bruises and kind of look after each other in that way. Watson Lafferty Sr. didn't only take his violent temper out on his immediate family. The children once witnessed the beating of their dog with a baseball bat so brutally that the dog died. Jesus. Oh, yeah. And Dan's daughter. Oh, yeah. Can can I throw something out there real fast? Absolutely. So so you said he served served in the army. <clears throat> he did his service and then he came home. Uh, this is actually very, very common in this era. Um, you know, there's so many people that went and fought in World War II. My grandpas were the same way. He came home and wanted to instruct this, uh, this like Navy uh, Air Force doctrine into like their children. You know, you guys are going to prepare because you're going to be the next fighters. I definitely had to grow up with this type of shit too growing up where the world's going to end and the Japanese are going to come bomb us again. And so hearing about this is kind of bringing some memories to my mind because it's like, yeah, dude, but my grandpa's exact same thing. They both served and uh, they both had this uh, just very just just uh, kind of kind of just brutal men. Uh, that's just kind of kind of the era, you know, everything that was going on with like world wars and stuff. It's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. And so Dan, uh, Dan's daughter, Rebecca, so Watson's granddaughter, once told a weekly that she remembered Watson Sr. throwing a toy at her head. She was a toddler and lying about it when he made her cry. She said, I just knew as a child to stay away from him. So I just thought that was extremely messed up. Throw a toy at your granddaughter's head. He cries, tattles on you. You deny everything. So just got to the point to where the grandchildren even knew that don't mess with grandpa, don't be around grandpa. Dang. (laughs) Ultimately, Watson Sr. was undone by his own rigid beliefs. He was a antical in the distrust of the modern medicine. To the degree that he once tried to treat a daughter, his daughter Colleen's appendicitis with homeopathic remedies. He was eventually taken to the hospital. He himself suffered from diabetes but refused to take insulin. In 1983, his, death, his health declined and his sons rejected medical treatment on his behalf. Surprisingly, their home treatment didn't cure him and he died. What do you mean that tree sap didn't cure him? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows tree sap cures you. Oh, no, there was a, growing up, there was a, kind of a tree balm that my dad (laughs) and my aunt used to swear by. Like, you have a cold? Uh, Let's go ahead and get some of this balm on you. (laughs) You have an owie? Let's go ahead and use some of this balm course we were also taken to the doctors when need be but some people will always take these to an extreme so when i when i was in california i used to have this friend that uh he was polynesian i love the guy to death he was freaking awesome but we would always go play basketball and volleyball and if you ever got like hurt or something he said the best way to do it is you go rub milk all over yourself and then you let a cat lick it off and then you'll just magically be healed takes the pain away every time (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like some kind of weird fetish <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh you stubbed your toe go dip it in milk and let your cat lick it off I, he, he just uh, he would always say that like like you'd uh <laughs> you'd like dive for a dodgeball or you'd like run into the wall or something you'd get hurt and you'd be like hey like just go dip it in milk and let a cat lick it off <laughs> you know there's a peanut butter joke here right <laughs> yeah i was just i was just about to bring that up <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. 
So Claudine, the Lafferty's, uh, the Lafferty brothers' mother, was less for was a less forceful presence in their childhoods. After all, her primary role, according to Watson Senior's theology, was to obey his every command, and described her to the reporter as a good woman and an excellent mother, and remembering her long angelic, she was. Um, long, uh, looking angelic and radiant in all of her church ceremonies. So one of the brothers that we're talking about today, going to go into a little bit of detail on him. Um, and this one's Dan Lafferty. I've got a quick so, question. So the, uh, we're at American Fork. Like I, I work in American Fork. And so I'm kind of trying to picture where, like, do you know, like, what street this happened on, or? Not sure exactly where. Is the, uh, this ho- is back the house in still the 80s. there? I would believe so. So it was back in the 80s, um, and they're actually a really prominent family in that AF, and in, in AF around that time. A lot of people knew them, um, the chiropractor business, they were a huge part of their community. So they were a big name back in the day. Um, never actually looked up the address. Um, yeah. Maybe Sean could drive by the house sometime and pull out his ghost detecting detective stuff and try to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just trying to picture where it is. Cause like I said, I do, I do work in American fork. I'm driving around that area every day. And so I'm just trying to, Trying to picture, I'll, I'll look it up real fast. But trying to trying to just know like the general area where where this happened at. Yeah. So Dan Lafferty, um, Ron may be the oldest of the Lafferty brothers, but Dan Lafferty wielded the most influence over the clan. Once their father died, he described his father or his childhood to the reporter as in rosy terms. He pointed. Painted the parents as an ideal couple, despite his father's assistance in domestic violence, and said the family also attended the perfect mature postcard church. He noted that he was particularly enthusiastic young Mormon. I was a hundred and ten percenter. I sang in the choir. I paid my tithing. In fact, I always paid a little extra just to make sure that I can make it into the highest kingdom of glory. Dan traveled to Scotland for a mission trip where he met a young divorced woman, two daughters named Matilda, six years old. Six years later, he ran into her at a missionary reunion in the United States and they quickly became married. Then the marriage uh, after the marriage, they moved to Los Angeles so that he could follow in his father's footsteps and attend chiropractic school. The family moved back to Utah after he completed his training and began to work for the family business. Throughout this period, he and Matilda had four children together. After returning to Utah, Dan became to research Mormon history. He led him to discover the peacemaker an obscure historical Mormon text printed in 1842 by Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism himself. Tracked justified polygamy and outlined an even more imbalanced patriarchal version of marriage and child-rearing by the already conservative version that the Lafferty's practiced. According to the reporter, under the new rules, Tilda was no longer allowed to drive, handle money, or talk to anyone outside the family when Dan wasn't present. She was to wear a dress at all times. Soon, Dan totally rejected medicine and public schooling. He threw out all non-Mormon text in his house, broke all their clocks and watches, and spanked Matilda she disobeyed him but matilda's daughter rebecca remembers her mother putting up a fight against dan's increasingly extreme beliefs she let the chickens run through the house and say okay let's live free and then 
you let the chickens just shit all over the place. Rebecca told the <laughs> weekly, Matilda also openly <laughs> engaged her husband to find a second wife so that she could leave the marriage. But Matilda tried to rebel against the domineering husband, then began to beat her. And he also insisted that his ideal candidate for the second marriage was his 14-year-old stepdaughter. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Although he eventually gave up on this idea and married a different woman instead, Rebecca remembers seeing him hoping his oldest, her oldest sister on her bare breast. Eventually, Matilda gave into his demands. She said, I've come to a place there where no I had no choices. She testified in Dan's court case. I could either go and leave my kids or stay and accept it. As he was sinking deeper into the fundamentalist Mormon beliefs, Dan also became obsessed with libertarian ideas. Watson Sr. and Claudine left him and Mark in charge of the family and family business when he... Watson and his wife went on a second mission trip back in 1981. A decision that would prove near catastrophic. Dan refused to pay property taxes on his father's property because he later explained to the reporter that it had that it was owned free and clear. By paying property taxes, you were basically telling the government that they're the ones who really own the property because you give them the right to take it from you if you don't pay the taxes. And I was willing to force a standoff to determine who actually owned the property. State was not interested in Dan's ideas and became, began the process of possessing the property. When Watson Sr. found out about this happening at his home, he was outraged and he intervened at the last minute to save his business. So he came off of his mission, come back and fix everything because uh, we're not going to go ahead and pay taxes. Now, my mind right there was, sure, if you have these beliefs, you decide you don't want to pay taxes, you don't want to pay your property taxes, you don't want to do any of those things, do it with your own stuff. Do not do it with someone else's stuff. So his dad came in, held it all out towards the beginning so they could save his business and his home. This guy sounds like the most, the biggest, like an extremist, someone that just focuses on one thing. And when you focus on that one thing, nothing else matters, even like your family or anything. And he got really deep and... I'd say it definitely gets worse. As he was sinking deeper into the fundamentalist Mormon beliefs, Danso also became. All right. Well, that was the paragraph that I just did. So uh, we're going to go ahead and skip that. All right. <laughs> Lost my place for a second. You're good. You're good, man. Don't worry about right. it. Eventually, most of the Lafferty brothers followed Dan's lead and became involved in this Mormon fundamentalist and libertarianism traveling farther and farther away from the mainstream Mormonism and then from rational thoughts entirely. They, the conduit from their fundamentalism was a man named Bob Crossfield, a.k.a. Prophet Onias, founder of the School of the Prophets, a polygamy sect that embraced divine revelation. In addition to the other objectionable beliefs, Onias was also ferociously opposed to black men becoming Mormon priests, calling them the product of Satan and a racist tribe reference in the under the banner of heaven. So Watson Lafferty Jr. was the first brother to encounter Onisus. Dan, Ron, Dan and Ron and most of their other brothers quickly became obsessed with Onisus and his ideology. 
ideology that would lead directly to the murders of Brenda and Erica. And would later explain his involvement in the murders of Brenda and Erica Lafferty as a part of the divine plan. Plan to express even a hint of remorse at the final trial. He acted at his own attorney and mounted a defense that only lasted 13 minutes. He said, I don't know why those names, Brenda and Erica and the others, were on the list. The Lord works in strange ways. All I know is, is that I'm pretty that it's pretty strange if you ask me. The second trial in nineteen ninety six he testified, I am not ashamed of what happened, and it is just in a matter of business. The Dan Lafferty remains incarcerated in the Utah State Prison. Um, security wing as he's serving a life sentence. One of the other brothers, Ron, as described above, Ron Lafferty spent most of his childhood under the thumb of his domineering and abusive father. He said, I wanted to kill my father. Every time I saw him hit my mother, a conflict, according to Ron, was settled he finally hit back at the age of 17. He recalled his father running off. So he hit his, he finally stepped into 17, his father back as he saw his father hitting his mother and recalled his father running off like a little bitch crying, mother, mother. After graduating from high school, Ron went on a successful mission trip to Florida, returning to Utah where he secured a good job in the construction and became a respectful member of the church, a city councilman, and a devoted father and hu husband. He and his wife, Diana, who had met on his mission, had six kids, according to Diana's friend, Penelope Weiss. They were unusually happy together. I remember a marriage that was no... So happy for 16 and a half years, she told the reporter. Ron wasn't only a good husband, he was also a good brother. Mother hen type, as one of the other Lafferty's put it to the reporter. He offered advice, emotional support to his younger siblings, and could act as a voice of reason when disagreements broke out. He could be forcefully defensive of his family too. Ron called Ron beating up the kid who bullied him in school. So say for the first part of his life, 16 years of marriage, extremely happy, a great father, um, councilman, the city. It was just, it was great. Always looked up to the whole family looked up to him until uh, Dan got him. Uh, hooked into this little cult that they decided to join. So Ron, Diana, uh, Ron's wife, suggested that Ron offer some of his characteristic advice to his brothers back in 1982, in which time nearly all of them had been sucked into Dan's extremist crusade and were tormenting their wives as a result. Ron attended one of his brother's meetings at the family home and asked a number of skeptical questions about Dan's extremism. Ron was embarrassed by me, Dan told the reporter. He was a devout saint, said I was an embarrassment to the Mormon church, told me there is no place in the church for extremes, but Ron was quickly converted into Dan's cause. In the blink of an eye, he transformed from a family, the family's most reasonable and a emotionally steady person to one of its most passionate fundamentalists. He soon lost his job as a result, and a year later, he lost his family too. His wife, wife filed for a divorce, took the children, and fled to Florida. After converting by Dan, Ron quickly became involved in the School of Prophets, Nias had a revelation that led him to appoint Ron as the local chap chapter bishop. Without a job and a family to distract him, Ron became 
obsessively committed to the school of the prophets. A focus on Onysus, teaching about the divine revelation. In 1940, or sorry, 1984, he began having revelations of his own, which accumulated into his revelation that call for the murders of Brenda and Erica. Ron's revelation was also called, called for the murders of Chloe Lowe, Ron's family friend, and the wife of his local parish bishop, and Richard Stowe, a prominent Mormon official of the community. It is my will that they be removed in rapid succession and that the example be made them in order for others might see the fate that those who fight against the true saints of God, Ron said. Is there any evidence that these two brothers are mentally ill uh, after being arrested? Do you know if they did any uh, any test on them or are they just, uh, just so brainwashed? Do you know? It's mostly just brainwashed. There's a little bit of um, mental stability that will come in uh, after the murders. Um. But as of right now, they seem to be pretty sane people just swept up in an extremist. And people are suggesting that just because of how they were raised, their father's extremism, um, maybe that was easier for them to go a different way and take things to an extreme because that's what they saw growing up. Oh, for sure. I, I thought it was super interesting when you were talking about how uh... – <coughs> Um, the daughter, she couldn't leave and she, you know, got, ex got, was getting sick of, uh, the abuse. And so she just excited to embrace it and accept it. Like how broken do you have to be to just do something that you know is wrong? You know what I mean? Question. Is this, yeah. uh, during the FLDS time or the LDS time? Like, I mean, had the church split yet? Oh, so this was 1984. Oh wow! That this that this happened. So, and it's not like the the FLDS as we as we know with like Warren Jeffs right now. There's a bunch of different uh, factions, a bunch of different people. So a lot of people who have been excommunicating, kicked out of the Mormon Church, you know, they go off and start a little thing on their own. Right. Yeah. This was so it's not one that we really know. It's called the School of the Prophets. Um. We'll actually go into a little bit later. Um, actually, I don't know if I have that written down. So later on, they go ahead and get discommunicated because of their radical views. And then, just like I said, Ron had Excommuni those revelations. Excommunicated, you mean? Or... Did I say excommunicated? Or did no, I say you, you, said, you said discommunicated. Oh, yeah. No, excommunicated. Okay. Yeah, good catch. <laughs> good catch. Um. So the two brothers have been excommunicated from the church. And then Ron starts having these revelations uh, to get rid of Brenda and Erica and two other people. And he actually gets kicked out. They get kicked out of the school of prophets. So a cult, wow. they were too extreme to be part of their cult. Interesting. And it just kind of goes to um, what happens later on. So Dan and Ron, they did murder Brenda and Erica July 24th of 1984. They broke into Chloe Lowe's house and found no one. They failed to reach Richard Stowe's home. But instead, they traveled first to Salt Lake City and then to Reno. Nevada, where they, along with the associates of Rick Knapp and Chip Garns, uh, they were fined. They were found and arrested by some police officers. So, I have the murders further down, but it seems like it might be better to go ahead and talk about it now. So, Pioneer Day, uh, a Utah holiday. July 24th, 1984. Ron 
and Dan, after a trip to Colorado, they picked up two different, two little followers that they talked about um, what they were going to do. Uh, two hitchhikers. Those were the Ricky um, Knapp and Chip Carnes. And got back within, I think, on the 23rd. On the 24th, they drove over to Alan's house, which is one of their brothers. And Alan fell in a little bit with the cult a little bit. He started doing the following um, teachings. His wife was a voice of reason and uh, pretty much forbid her, her husband actually talk with the brothers. And that, of course, made them angry. So when I talk about Brenda and Erica, Brenda is Alan's wife. Erica is their 15-month-old baby. Jeez. So it just kind of, one of the ones that just kind of pissed me off um, talking about that. Uh, in the wakes of the murders, Ron attempted suicide by hanging in jail. About trying to hang himself in jail. The act that his attorney, Teresa Michael Michelle Day, said in 2019 which caused brain damage. So you're talking about some uh, psychological stuff. Ron tried to commit suicide by hanging himself in jail. Uh, actually tried three times. And the first trial, uh, he was found fit to stand trial. About five years later, uh, they went ahead and did it. Uh, they went ahead and did another trial saying he wasn't fit because since he tried to commit suicide three times in jail before the first trial, he shouldn't be found um, fit to stand trial. So that was actually overturned. He went and spent a bunch of time in the mental facility. And then a couple of years later, he um, was also was found competent to stand trial again. So every single one of those times that he went to trial, he um, was found guilty. I'm going to go into a little bit of the. Sounds to me like you should have uh, took some advice from Jeffrey Epstein. See. Yeah, do it. The oh, right yeah. Way. That guy gets it on the first try, you know? <laughs> oh. Hey, so real fast, uh, why, why John's been talking, I've looked at the address of where this happened in American Fork. And I'll just tell you guys where it is real fast. If you guys know, <coughs> if you're familiar with Utah County, there's the uh, American Fork exit that has, like, the Walmart right there. It's not that exit. It's the exit before it, and the street is Service Road 180. If you take that exit, you drive down, and on your left-hand side, there's going to be a stone hedge of American Fork. If you take a left on East 500, you drive down, like, two blocks. It's, uh, it's right on the left-hand side. The address is 325 East. 500 south you can look up pictures of the house um but uh after doing some google search that is where uh that's where erica and and the mom was found where their bodies were found so i actually drive right past that every single day on the freeway it's pretty close to the freeway uh it's also pretty close to the greenwood skate park and uh the rotary rotary park uh east pavilion if you know guys know where that is um, there's also a yoga school by it, but yeah, it's in that general area. It's just right off the exit for the service road 180. And, and again, the address, if you want to look it up is 325 East 500 South American Fork. Tons of people are going to be like driving by. Like, Why the hell is there so many people driving by our house? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it looks like people are living there. It looks like it's uh, turned into a nice little, uh, uh, a nice little duplex, uh, and uh, yeah, there. If you look up pictures, Google Map this shit. Uh, there's cars in the parking lot, so yeah, there's people living there. Huh. Yeah. And so we're gonna go in a little bit of Alan Lafferty, um, husband of Brenda. So Alan was a youngest member of the Lafferty Brood. After going his post high school mission trip, he began attending the. Uh, LDS congregation for students in Provo. After, even though he wasn't a student himself, 
He met his future wife, Brenda Wright, at the board. Brenda was a student of the BYU at BYU and aspired to be a newscaster. She is what he was saying that she dated a lot of boys before, but she had never got stuck on any one person. Alan was different. Her, her sister said he was a return missionary and the Lafferty's were a picture perfect LDS family. Everybody in Provo seemed to know them. Plus Alan was a charmer. All the Lafferty brothers have this ability to charm the socks off of you and have this look in their eyes and Brenda fell for it. Alan and Brenda were married April 22nd, 1982. A couple, the couple settled at American Fork, a small suburban town in Utah where Alan ran a tiling business. As soon as they were married, however, the relationship became strained. Alan pressured Brenda to quit her job at the local news station, take a job in the nearby mall, and then to quit the job too so she could stay at home and start a family. She became pregnant around two months after their wedding and subsequently gave birth to their daughter, Erica. Alan, meanwhile, began following his brother's footsteps by adopting, adopting their libertarian, libertarian beliefs about taxation. According to Betty, um, Brenda's sister, he didn't even want to get his car registered and fear that the government oversight. He also increasingly strict about his religious beliefs. He refused to eat anywhere that served food on Sundays. For instance, as the older Lafferty's traveled further down the path of religious fundamentalism, Brenda worked hard to prevent Alan from doing the same. She asked her sister, Betty and Sharon, keep watch over Alan when they visited in order to keep track of how much time was spending with his brothers. She also persuaded him not to officially join the school of prophets. Brenda stood up to those Lafferty boys. Um, she told Alan in no certain terms that she didn't want him doing things with his brothers and his brothers blamed her for that. For keeping their family apart, the Lafferty boys didn't like Brenda because um, she got her way. Brenda couldn't persuade her husband to entirely divest himself from the family, and Alan continued to spend time with his increasingly erratic and extremist brothers. At his testimony in one of the Lafferty murder trials, he testified that Ron presented Brenda with meddling in the brother's affair and added that Ron often called her a bitch and also testified that he knew about Ron's revelation to kill Brenda and Erica. He told the court that he actually didn't think that it was something that he should take, take seriously. So he heard that you know, Ron and Dan wanted to kill his wife. But uh, didn't take it seriously, and he regretted it later. Wouldn't you think uh, you'd like try to isolate them from the situation? Then I mean, even at a rumor like that, like I don't know if if someone was trying to like kill my wife, it was even talking about it. Like I wouldn't even want them associating with one another. You know? Yeah, and later on, like a little bit later. Uh, that's pretty much what he told um, older brothers. So Alan also testified that I told Ron that God had made no such revelation to me and I would protect Brenda and Erica with my life. But he didn't take sufficient steps to do so. so on July 24th, 1984, he found his wife and daughter dead in their homes. He knelt next to Brenda and prayed he was taken in custody as the prime suspect. After all, he was the husband and the father of the deceased, and he was covered in blood. And he was successfully, uh, but he successfully explained the story to the investigators, uh, who began to search for Ron and Dan. So, 
the reason why they didn't stick with him that much, of course, he didn't do it. But he was working at a job up in Ogden at the time. He left at 8 o'clock in the morning. He didn't get home until 8 o'clock at night. So once he was first suspected as the prime suspect, uh, they literally knew that he had an alibi and he, was, he wasn't there. So... On July 24, 1984, Utah's Pioneer Holiday, Ron and Dan drove to Alan's house with the intent of getting rid of one of the problems um, that they thought separated them from their brother. They drove up to the house, and Dan knocked, on, knocked, and there was no answer. So they got back into the vehicle and drove away. Thinking that it was God's will that they weren't supposed to murder their sister-in-law and niece, about a block away, Alan thought that he needed to try the door himself, so they turned around, and unfortunately, Brenda did answer. So they thought, all right, well, maybe this wasn't supposed to happen. She's not home. It's it's it's, it's God's will. Um, well, let me go ahead and let me try. Uh, maybe it just wasn't you were supposed to answer. So they went back. She answered the door. The siblings allegedly blamed Brenda for helping Ron's wife leave. Um, and they were also angry with Brenda didn't want Alan to join their polygamous cult. School of the Prophets, which they formed in 1984 after leaving the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Ron's extreme religion views had led them to be excommunicated from the FLDS church back in 1984. And Salt Lake Tribune reported last year he blamed the divorce on Brenda and two of Brenda's friends. He believed that God also wanted him to remove those two friends after he killed Brenda and her baby, according to the court records. So Ron and Dan did go into the house and say, this is going to get a little graphic. They went ahead um, they, with a vacuum cord. They strangled Brenda in the kitchen. And while she was being strangled with a vacuum cord, they went ahead and sliced her uh, throat with a knife. According to the court records, they also slashed 15-month-old Erica's throat nearly decapitating the child's head. Desert News reported in 2019 that murders occurred on a revelation, it's told. Um, so they all happened because it was, it was, she was obstructing God's work. Jeez, dude. So I don't uh, yeah, definitely gonna... really want to go too much into that murder, but say just strangled with a vacuum cord, slit the throat, and then um, did the same thing to to the child, the 15-month-old baby. I've said this once. I'm going to say it again. If you murder children, you, you need the death penalty. Um, you're a piece of shit. And, uh, yeah, I hope this guy's getting booty raped in prison right now. So there's a lot of other court stuff that was going on that I could talk about, but let's say... Um, We'll kind of wind down on this one, this part. So they took off. They drove to Reno. Before they drove to Reno, there was two other people on the list. Uh, one was the lady of a church member that they didn't like. And so she got put on the list. She was actually in, I think, Florida on a vacation. So they broke into her house. We're going to kill her. And they couldn't find her, so they went ahead and ransacked it, stole a bunch of money, stole a bunch of um, jewelry, because, of course, it was you know God's plan. They went ahead and did that. Thou shall not steal. Um, Come on, guys. Yeah, but it was, it was God's plan. So they also wanted to go to Ron's old bishop's house that excommunicated him, but they couldn't find the turnoff to his house, and so they just decided they were just going to bail and go. So they, the cops came, found the bodies, uh, talked to Braun, started searching for them. They put a big bulletin out, uh, but the two were found in Reno, Nevada. 
Um, they dropped off the two hitchhikers that stayed in the vehicle the whole time uh, that they were actually murdering a sister-in-law and the baby. Um, they found those two, told them where they could find Ron and Dan, um, testified against them during their trials, and Ron got life in prison, and Dan got the death penalty. Uh, Dan and died just before the death penalty, I think in 2017, in prison, and Ron um, is still incarcerated to this day. So it was a just going through it. I mean, I listened to a few podcasts on it as well. Uh, so much information on it. Um, not every single time I heard about what happened and just went through the details of it, it royally pissed me off. Just because we have two fundal two fundamentalists had a grudge, they're going to go ahead and throw religion inside this and make it. Uh, to what to, to what happened and it just it royally pissed me off so i think it's uh time to uh go ahead and uh say that the lafferty brothers have been clapped crazy story dude and uh yeah. there's also a show on netflix is it the batter of heaven on hulu i believe actually yes so i actually watched I heard about it when I was doing the research and I, I watched it, the episode of it. Um, the first episode has like the Spider-Man actor guy, right? Yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, uh, his name's Spider-Man dude. Don't reveal his true identity. Yeah. Spider-Man's the detective. Um, so I've already done the research. I watched the first episode of it. I think it's a seven or eight, um, episode thing long kind of goes into the details of the family. Andrew Garfield, that's the name. Uh, oh, sorry, Spider-Man still. <laughs> but, uh, just the way that they went ahead and did uh, the depiction of of the faith, like the Mormon church and stuff, I just think they went too, too deep into it. For me, I am LDS. And we'll say one thing that I would, if people don't know anything about it, the things that I always got out of being being LDS is, you know, treat your body with respect. Obey the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. And, you know, respect. <laughs> you know, believe in God and, and, and respect. That's that's what I always got out of everything. And just uh, the first episode kind of goes into, you know, he can't eat McDonald's uh, because it's not good for him. He can't uh, and do this and that. Uh, so I didn't finish that episode, but uh, <laughs> for what I heard is um you know, it turns out pretty good and they also kind of go into the murders on the first episode to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown so i'll say if you want to go check i think it was it we said the banner of heaven i think it's and, the banner of heaven or either under the banner of heaven but yeah i think there's a I think there's a show on netflix i have not watched it um i think i've seen it though but uh yeah i think it's it's hulu and it was based <laughs> off of a 2003 book that someone wrote um there's a lot of good reviews on it. Me personally couldn't get into it. But... Huh, interesting. This so, is uh, two unnecessary deaths to just a rocket to the core. So something I want to I want to talk about real fast and definitely get your guys' inputs on it is uh, so I'm not listening to this uh, today's episode just kind of made me think how dangerous of a thought process is it. When you're in a religion, and we're not just talking about any specific religion, just th this can just be any religion, but when you get to the point where you don't think that the laws of the land are like, they don't have meaning or they are not important to you anymore. Once you've hit that, that, that point, it's just like, that is, that is, I feel like that's the most, so dangerous. That is such a dangerous zone because then, then, then it's like pedophilia happens you know, murder happens and it like, it didn't even apply to you. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, there's so many religions and, and I know, I know the LDS church, uh, they're on this too, but they, they say that they sustain and honor the laws of the land, even though you may not necessarily agree with them. Like, like <laughs> whether you're religious or not, you, you got to follow them. You know what I mean? And I just, I think that belief system where 
like I said, this could be any religion. But when you get to the point where laws don't matter anymore, that is a very, very dangerous gray area. I mean, oh, these guys, to me, honestly, sounded like kind of like they were self-ordained prophets. You know what I mean? Like they were just going to do what they wanted to do because of their dreams or revelations. And yeah, it's through everything else to the bygones, you know, even, even the organized religions didn't want anything to do with them. So that's yeah. something completely. I mean, they got excommunicated from the church, the Mormon church, they got excommunicated from the fundamentalist church. So okay. one thing I might not have put in there is right after that, Ron decided that he was a prophet and he was getting these revelations. But if you look into these revelations that he's getting, it's uh, pretty much putting out a hit list to everyone that's wronged him over the years, which sounds yeah. uh, sounds pretty wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, you did a great job. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, like I said, I've already posted the pictures for the Instagram page. If you want to get out there, check it out. And uh, remember to like and follow. Tell your friends and family. And we will see you guys next week. Um, we are not going to be having an episode this next Wednesday. Um, it's my four-year anniversary and John's birthday. So make sure to private message him on Instagram and uh, tell him happy birthday. Hey, <laughs> thanks. What, what are you turning, 57? I mean, what? No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm saving up for my wheelchair, man. I got to pimp that thing out, you know. So. <laughs> Getting close. Yep. Getting up there. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. All right. Peace. Peace.